Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. Hi, we are in Psych 342 and this is Class 5. Um, this is Session 1 and today we're going to cover communication disorders and hearing disorders. So our topics again are communication, that's going to break down into speech and language disorders. Hearing disorders will include children who are deaf. Um, So speech disorders and language disorders are our two big categories for communication. Speech is going to be receptive, uh, no expressive, sorry, and language is going to be receptive. Um, the different hearing disorders, and what are the characteristics of all of the above. So our goals and objectives will be to understand what those different communication disorders entail. We want to be able to identify the characteristics of those individuals who would have a speech or a language disorder. Um, We want to be able to understand and define what a hearing disorder would be. Um, We're going to look a little bit at the structure of the ear. Um, You really have to kind of understand the structure of the ear to get a good understanding of how the hearing disorders break down. And that ear, of course, was um, very carefully designed by God. And we'll look at what characteristics are likely to occur when a child does have a hearing impairment. Um, Our verses today are from Exodus 4, 11 through 12. And from Leviticus 19, verse 14. So we'll start with some definitions. Um, What is communication? Um, You can communicate verbally, which is what we generally think of when we hear that term. But there is also the process of sharing information through nonverbal means, such as shaking your head or waving. So there's different functions that are happening there, but our goal is to give information to somebody else or to have them give information to us. Um, So as I mentioned, those verbal components, usually that starts in around six months or so when children begin to babble. And eventually first words may start around somewhere between 11 months and 14, 15 months. We'll start to have single words there. The nonverbal components typically are going to begin a little bit before first words. Children won't have good nonverbal skills um, until maybe nine months or so, but they'll start pointing and using gestures at that point. And they can actually learn sign language before they actually learn um, the language of their culture. So a disorder of communication is an impairment Um, of the ability to either use speech, which would be your expression of language where you're trying to give information to somebody else, or it impairs your ability to use language. And language is going to be what you understand when someone else is communicating to you, so your receptive language. So language is this symbol system that we use or code system um, because we have written language, obviously. And then we also have sounds that are put together to do verbal language in order to communicate meaning. We are primarily here going to be talking about verbal language, but usually if there's a real struggle with um, any kind of language area, 
um, we're also going to see that written language um, would tie to that. And if y'all remember when we talked about learning disabilities, um, we had listening comprehension and we had written expression and those would both be language. Um, they are considered receptive because you are the receiver um, from what someone else is giving you. Your expressive language are your speech disorders, and this is you expressing yourself. Um, we called that oral expression when we were talking about a learning disability. So these communication disorders really are learning disabilities. Um, they get it their own category, though, as you can see, and that's because it's really hard to tell parents that a child has a learning disability. And if it is just one in communication, it's just a little bit easier to say it's a communication disorder, receptive language, or expressive language. Um, so that expressive language remembers the speech side. Speech is just forming sounds, um, sequencing them together so that you put those sounds in the right order to make the words that you are trying to use to communicate. Um, sometimes we'll have a child whose um, ability to use language is extremely impaired and, and maybe there's a malformation of the mouth or they might have cerebral palsy where they can't use those muscles, and we may need to use um, augmentative devices or alternative communication devices. These are called AAC. Um, these are usually some alternative forms of speech communication. Um, generally here it's kind of like a, a little board where they'll punch a button and it'll be programmed um, to say certain words, and they can have two or three to put together, maybe make a sentence. Some are extremely simple uh, for children who might also have intellectual disabilities. There may just be one or two buttons, maybe one to say, um, I'm hungry, um, and maybe another one to say, you know, I need to go to the bathroom. And that may be all that we program for them. And, you know, definitely if the, the brain is, is functioning pretty well, we may can get more complex with that. Um, so again, a speech disorder is an impairment in any kind of use of, of oral language. So we are not being able to express ourselves in the way in which we would need to. And this is going to break down into different sections. The language disorders are when we have problems. Um, being able to understand what someone is saying to us when they are trying to use language. And we just don't. Uh, you, you see a lot of times the children looking like they are deaf with just that huh. Um, look, or they may even say that. I, they just don't know what you're asking. All right, so when we look at language disorders, it's going to break down into different components, and these are um, somewhat in order. Um, you'll have children have difficulties in their language skill set in different places. So when we go to phonology, if they don't understand phonics, that the sounds make words and that you blend certain sounds together and they're really going to struggle when it comes to getting language. So when we talk about phonics or phonology, there are certain rules that govern your speech sounds. There are certain sounds that don't go together uh, and there are other sounds that do and they, they blend well together. So you don't have um, certain sounds in each language. Now, Babies, when they babble, will babble the sounds of every language in the world. Um, as they begin to be taught and pick up the language of the culture they live in, they're going to drop out. 
some of those sounds. And so when they're little, I mean, when I was little, I actually was working with a speech pathologist, and she would tell me, I would tape him a lot and let her listen to it, and she would tell me, that's the German K, or that's the Spanish R. And, and so I would kind of know what some of these sounds were because, you know, I couldn't make them. Um, but about the time he was a year, he was only making the sounds that he was hearing in the English language, which is the language that he picked up. Um, if you're bilingual, if they're hearing two languages, obviously that child can pick up the phonics from more than one language. But those are just those speech sounds that kind of go into the language that you're talking about. All right, when we go to morphology, this is what makes up a word. And um, we've got some rules there, and you can see some of them, the verb tenses. And there are certain ways that we have those irregular verbs, but a lot of them it's just add an ed as a suffix, and that makes it a past tense. And we have children sort of naturally pick this up. We're not really teaching them a lot of those rules about organization, but they do kind of get that concept. They'll say words like fishes um, to mean the plural of fish. And so they've learned a rule um, that governs the organization of plural. And they're applying that. And they're going to make some mistakes along three, four, five, just because some rules don't fit every circumstance. When we move to syntax, if, if you took grammar in school, that's really what we're talking about here. We're talking about organizing your words together into a grammatically correct sentence and note it has to be meaningful it has to be actually saying something that's um, information that another person wants to hear um, so there's certain grammar rules that we use to organize a sentence and um, to make the difference in a sentence and a question so we may have a child who understands phonics and understands words but then doesn't understand how to string words together in order to make a sentence or a question, and they would have a syntax problem. I, if they are struggling with semantics, semantics is understanding the meaning of words and what the concept of words are. Um, there are words that have very similar meanings, like house is very similar to home, and obviously there are some subtle differences in those words, but the, the folks who would be struggling here may not understand that there was a difference between the two. Or they may get confused with some of those words that actually have several meanings, and you have to figure that out from the context of your sentence. So the word spring, you know, could mean a season of the year. I'm actually typing this in spring right now. Um, but it could mean that you have a verb there that you spring up. Um, from where you're sitting. Um, it could mean something that used to be in like mattresses, you know, where you'd have a spring that would hold your mattress up. They take those out now. Um, it could be a body of water that would be a spring. And so understanding what meaning are we trying to attach to this sentence is something that some of the kids are going to struggle with and they'll have a semantic issue. All right, pragmatics is when we use language for a social reason, and we have different reasons why we would use language, and our language, even our inflection, um, can tie to this as the way we say things. All right, so I'll give you two, kind of two examples of this. One type of pragmatics is understanding the appropriateness of things like what you say to adults and what you would say to another child. 
All right, so with another child, you can be very informal, you know, hey, how are you doing? Right, you probably wouldn't want to talk like that to your teacher, right? If you were a child, you would, you would assume that you should say, you know, um, Mrs. Jones, um, you know, what is happening kind of thing is not really cool, but um, just what, you know, say hello, maybe, I guess. Um, a child may use different social inflections, like with babies who would say, daddy and they're asking a question um with just their language or daddy um when they want him to come and pick them up um daddy when they're excited um that he's coming in the room so understanding that we do different things with language depending on uh, what's going on socially that's part of pragmatics and if our kids just you know really don't understand that um, we probably don't put them into any kind of language therapy as long as they're good with the other four. Um, if they break down in the other four, we'll probably go ahead and work on pragmatics as well. But usually you don't see people getting a diagnosis just for that one category.